2, Debira, and dated October 24, 1589, said that it was not printed, because printing houses had not yet come to this country. We then conclude with regard to Beristain's entry, that although there existed in manuscript an RDY vocable Riotigolo by Juan de Quinones, there is no evidence of the existence of any book printed for him from woodblocks or in type. Santiago de Vila suggests the possibility that there might have been a xylographic RD of 1581, but Schilling questions this in the face of the complete lack of reference to such a printed work by any 17th or 18th century writer, and the tenuous notices of Bella and Beristain, yet to say categorically that no such work was printed would be foolhardy in the face of the scanty early records and the appearance of this doctrina, a single copy of which has just been discovered. The first important work devoted solely to the early history of the Philippine press was by T. H. Pardo de Tavera, who in 1893 published his study of printing and engraving in the Philippines. He there recorded a 1593 doctrina, but adamantly refused to accept it on the hearsay evidence of others. His account is valuable because it shows that there may have been a copy of the doctrina in Java in 1885, and so we quote from it at some length, a learned Dutch Orientalist. Dr. J. Brands, wrote me in 1885 from Volibilil and Java telling me that in 1593 at Manila there was printed a Doctrina Christiana in Spanish Tagalog, with the proper characters for the latter language. Other Orientalists, at the last Congress in London in 1891, gave me the same information. Nonetheless, no one told me where he had read such a thing, nor much less that he had managed to see such a book. Although inspecting a rare book which I acquired in Paris Alter, Weber de Tagaliski Shiproka, Vienna, 1803, I saw that the author cited such a doctrina Christiana and said that he knew of its existence through Abbe Hervis. This is an error, and without doubt such a doctrina was in manuscript, because in 1591 he should have said 1593 there was no press in Manila nor in any part of the archipelago. And today we know for certain and positively that the first book issued there appeared in 1610. Pardo de Tavera was the first to call attention to Alter, and through him to Hervis, and in all probability the Orientalists at the London Congress had seen the doctrine cited by one of these or Adlow, but he rejects that evidence in no uncertain terms, mitigating somewhat his assurance. He speaks following the above-quoted passage of printing in China, and differentiates between xylographic and typographic printing and since he was obviously thinking in terms of printing on a press with movable type his conclusions are not too extreme. In 1896 appeared Jose Torre Bio Medina's La Imprenta in Manila, which was up to then the best, most complete and most scholarly work on early Philippine printing, and is today with its subsequent editions and corrections the standard bibliography of the subject. There Medina cited most of the authorities we have already quoted, the letter of Daz Marinas, Fernandez Historia Ecclesiastica, Eduardi, Adlung, Beristain and Pardo de Tavera. Then, basing his conclusions strongly on the Daz Marina's letter and the note of Adlung, he listed as number one in his bibliography the Doctrina of 1593 in Spanish and Tagalog, and as number two the Doctrina in Spanish and Chinese of the same year. This is a verdict which has stood the test of time, and one that is just now confirmed by the discovery of the book itself. Two points, however, in his survey should be noted. In his discussion of the printing and the authorship Medina does not emphasize the Dominican origin of the book, although he does say that it does not appear bold to us to suppose that the imprint of these doctrines ought to be the hospital of San Gabriel in this village by Nando, and faithfully copies Adlung's imprint notice. 
in the Dominican printing house, in his listing of the book. The other point is that he says in his introduction and repeats in his entry that the doctrina had a Latin as well as Spanish and Tagalog texts. An erroneous translation of Adlung's Militianiski Antigalisky Schrift. He was hesitant as are all bibliographers, who must perforce record the probable existence of a book a copy of which they had never seen, in committing himself as to whether it was printed from blocks or from type or by a combination of the two methods. More positive and more succinct than Medina was T. Retana whose earlier researches into the history of the Philippines Medina acknowledgedly made use of, and who in 1897 published his low imprenta en Filipinas, Adiciones y Observaciones a low imprenta en Manila. He took the material of Medina, added the evidence of Chirino and Plasencia, and resumerized the problem. The letter of Dasmarina showed conclusively that a doctrina was printed in 1593. Chirino said that the first two whose works were printed were Juan de Villanueva and Blancas de San Jose. Fernandez stated positively that the first book printed in the Philippines was the Book of Our Lady of the Rosary by Blancas de San Jose printed at Bataan in 1602. Eduardi supported this without mentioning a title, place or date of printing. If we are to accept all these statements as incontrovertible, how can the apparent contradictions be reconciled? The answer had already been hinted at but Rutan solved the problem with amazing acumen, and arrived at four conclusions, which are here printed in his own words, of that the doctrine as of 1593, though printed at Manila, were not executed in type, but by the so-called xylographic method, be that the initiative for the establishment of typography is out to PFR. Francisco Blancas de San Jose, see that the first typographer was the Chinese Christian Juan de Vera at the instigation of the said Father San Jose, did that the first typographical printing of this Dominican author is of the year 1602. It is not difficult to say with the book itself in front of us, that it is an example of xylographic printing, but it was a great feat on the part of Ritana, who had never seen a copy, to resolve apparently irreconcilable differences of opinion on the part of several unquestioned authorities by deducing that it was all a matter of semantics what did printing mean, as for the sprite of 1581 introduced by Beristain. Ritana dismissed it on the grounds of insufficient evidence. In a word, he concluded that the first book issued in the Philippines was a doctrina printed from woodblocks in 1593. All subsequent writers on the subject have derived their information from the sources we have already mentioned, and to a great degree have been influenced by the findings of Medina and Ritana. The ref. Thomas Cook Middleton in 1900 confessed that he did not know what the first book printed was. Pardo de Tavera maintained his old intransigence, when in the introduction to his bibliography for the Library of Congress in 1903 he wrote that Medina's affirmation that printing took place in 1593, loses all validity in the face of the categorical statement of Alfonso Fernandez. Medina did not comment further in his Ediciones y Ampliaciones of 1904, yet when the same year Perez and Guims published their additions to an continuation of Medina bringing his bibliography down to 1850. They resurrected the 1581 arty, but added no new evidence to prove their case. Blair and Robertson, in their tremendous collective history of the Philippines, did not include a list of Philippine imprints in their bibliography, but referred readers to Medina and Ritana with whom they agreed to celebrate the 300th anniversary of typographical printing in the Philippines Artigas y Cuerva wrote a study which emphasized the part played by Blancas de San Jose, but did not deny the existence of the 1593 doctrina. Ritana in 1911 brought his work on the subject up to date, 
but retained all his major conclusions. In Palau's standard bibliography of Spanish books we find the doctrine is called, the two earliest books known to have been printed in Manila. Finally, the most thorough recent work on the subject is to be found in Schilling's survey of the early history of the Philippine press published in 1937. There is little that can be added to the evidence uncovered by these modern writers, but the appearance of the book itself enables us to say with certainty some things which they were able only to surmise. However, as regards the authorship and the circumstances and place of printing we are able, from the information given on the title, to carry the investigation somewhat further. The authorship of the text the title tells us that the book was, corrected, by the priests of more than one order, and since it was printed by the Dominicans, we can assume that the ultimate responsibility for the preparation of the text in consultation with friars of other orders also lay in their hands. Our problem then is to discover what texts were available to them in 1593 and who were the priests who formed the editorial board. We have included in the study also the origins of the Chinese text, for the two doctrines appeared at the same time, and as we shall see the same Dominicans were probably responsible for the production and preparation of both the Tagalog and the Chinese texts. During the period under discussion there were priests of four orders active in the islands, and so we shall speak in turn of the Augustinian. Franciscan, Jesuit and Dominican fathers who might have written or worked on the doctrine as printed in 1593. The AUGUSDINIANS the first priests to come to the Philippines were six Augustinians who accompanied Legazpi on the expedition which in 1565 established the first permanent European settlement in the islands. Among them was Martin Dorada, who was one of the most important and influential priests during the early days of the Spanish colony and who was the first linguist of note to a work in the Philippines. The first language he learned was the Cyan, native to the island of Cebu where the Spaniards first landed, but he also learned Chinese. In May 1572 he was elected provincial of his order, and in June 1575 he went with Geronimo Marin, as ambassador to China, being the first Spaniard who entered into that said kingdom. In preparation for the voyage, we are told by Gonzalez de Mendoza, whose famous and popular history of China first printed in 1585 derives in a great measure from information brought back by Rada. That Rada began with great care and study to learn that language Chinese, the which he learned in few days, and did make there of a dictionary. Rada was then not only the first to write in Visayan, but also the first to compile a Chinese dictionary, and more important still brought back with him to Manila from China many books of which Mendoza gives a list. These books printed in the usual Chinese method from woodblocks, could have provided models for the Spaniards in the Philippines who lacked European facilities for printing, and they may have given birth to the idea which resulted in the xylographic doctrines. Within the first few years several more Augustinian fathers arrived whose linguistic accomplishments are briefly noted by the historians, but while these men were certainly pioneers in the speaking of Tagalog and Chinese, they are not recorded as having written in the language, according to Cano. The first Tagalog grammar was written by Augustin de Albuquerque, and Ritana considered him one of the possible authors of the present doctrina. This friar reached the Philippines in 1571, accompanied Rada on his second expedition to China in 1576, was elected provincial in 1578, and died in 1580. However, there is no early record saying that Albuquerque wrote any linguistic work. The statement was not made until the 19th century and in contradiction Juan de Medina, who wrote in 1630, said that Juan de Quinones made a grammar and lexicon of the Tagal language, 
which was the first to make a start in the rules of its mode of speech. Furthermore, in the official acts of the Augustinian province we find that on August 20, 1578 Albuquerque as provincial of the order commissioned Quinones to write a grammar, dictionary and confessionary in the Tagalog language. The conclusions of Santiago de Vila are that it is doubtful that Albuquerque wrote any linguistic works, and if he did they were liable to have been rough preliminary studies upon which the texts of Quinones were based. In view of the lack of positive contemporary evidence we believe that Albuquerque may be eliminated except as the instigator of such works. And we return again to Juan de Quinones. In so far as Quinones was the author of a grammar and dictionary claimed to have been printed at Manila in 1581, we had shown what various writers have said, and though we must conclude that the work was probably not printed, it is certain that he wrote in the Tagalog language, Augustin Maria de Castro said, although no earlier writers support it, that Quinones actually presented a grammar dictionary and doctrina in Tagalog at the Synod of 1582 for its approval. Our total information about this Augustinian linguist boils down to these essentials, that he did write a grammar and dictionary of Tagalog about 1578-81, which may have been the earliest written in the Philippines, that he may have presented these and a doctrina at the Synod of 1582 which approved Juan de Plasencia's works, that there is no concrete evidence that any of these works were printed, and that Quinone's works which were extant in manuscript in 1593 might have been consulted in the preparation of the present doctrina. Another member of the Order of St. Augustine who might have been able to participate in the editing of the 1593 doctrinas was Diego Munoz. Munoz came to the islands in 1578, and died in 1594. Of him San Augustine writes, Moreover in this year the Ministry for the Sanglis was founded in the convent of Tondo, and Piafar. Diego Munoz was named as its special minister. He devoted particular zeal to the study of the Chinese language, and preached in it with much elegance, and all the Sanglis who were going to be baptized, and there were many, had recourse to this ministry, and the teaching was continued with much vigilance and care, and there never lacked a religious of our order to apply himself to such holy work. From the time we came to this land, as our original records of the province prove, to him is also attributed a volume of manuscript panegyric sermons in Tagalog and because of this and his work at Tondo he may have been consulted by the Dominicans. We also mention Lorenzo de Leon, who arrived in 1582, spent twelve years in the provinces, wrote a book called the Estrella del Mar in Tagalog, and died in 1623, and might also have helped. The Franciscans although the first Franciscans did not arrive in the Philippines until June 24, 1577, the writings of the linguists of that order are more fully recorded. Among the earliest was Juan de Plasencia who, the Franciscans claim, wrote the first Tagalog grammar. He was fortunate in meeting soon after his arrival Miguel de Talavera, who had come with his parents on the expedition of Legazpi. Miguel, then quite young, became in a manner of speaking the disciple of Plasencia, and while the father taught him Latin, he in turn taught Plasencia the elements of Tagalog which he had picked up. For two years Plasencia ministered in the provinces of Tayabas, Laguna and Buelacon where he used and perfected his knowledge of the native language. On May 20, 1579, when the provincial Pedro de Alfaro left for China, he named Plasencia acting provincial during his absence. A reference to the earliest linguistic writings of the Franciscans occurs in an account by Santa Ins of the chapter meeting held in the convent of Los Angeles in July 1580. 
which was presided over by Pleasantia. The third and last thing that was determined in this chapter was that a grammar and dictionary of the Tagalog language should be made and a translation of the Doctrina Christiana completed. And since afar, Juan de Pleasantia, the president of the same chapter, excelled all in the language, he was given this responsibility, and he accepted it, and immediately set to a work, and then after great study, much lack of sleep and care, together with fervent prayers and other spiritual duties, of not little importance in the good profit of such work, he reduced the language to a grammar, made a catechism, a very full dictionary, and various translations, but the most important record of his writings is contained in the description of the synod called by Bishop Salazar in 1582. In March, 1581, Domingo de Salazar, the first bishop of Manila and the Philippines, had arrived. The problems which faced him were manifold, particularly those of ecclesiastical jurisdiction, the treatment of the natives by government administrators, and the means by which the gospel could best be spread. A synod was called to resolve these points. One matter of the utmost importance was the approval of standard Tagalog texts. Antoine de la Concepcion gives the following account of what transpired in this connection, His Excellency presided at the meetings, that then the most learned topics were discussed and the most learned persons were present the Dominican Father Salvatiera, the most outstanding scholars among the Augustinians and Franciscans, the Jesuit Father said Noan Sanchez, and the licentiate Don Diego Vasquez de Mercadu as Dean of the New Cathedral that this convention or diocesan synod it was discussed whether the Indians were to be ministered to in their native language, or if they would be obliged to learn Spanish, and it was decided to instruct them in their native tongue, the divine office, the doctrina Christiana, which Father Ifar, Juan de Pleasantia had translated into the Tagalog language, was approved, his work, the RDY vocabled Rio Tagalo was judged most full because of the ease by which it permitted an understanding and thorough knowledge of so far in a language. The already quoted account of Santa Ins continues with a similar description of the Synod, and says that when the problem of teaching the natives was brought up only Pleasantia could resolve it, since, having seen his catechism and the translation which he had made into Gullig of the grammar and dictionary, those who were at the Synod and understood anything of the language could do nothing but admire the fitness of the terms, their efficacy and strength and they said that, without the particular help of heaven, it seemed impossible that in so short a time and with so few years in the country he could have done such excellent work, and then, having approved them, they ordered that various copies be made, particularly of the translation of the Doctrina, so that with them and with no other would the ministers teach the Indians, and so it was approved, in order that there might be uniformity in all parts of the Tagalog country, this translation is that which has come down to this day except that it is more polished, it must have been shortly after the handbooks of Pleasantia received the seal of ecclesiastical approval that Salazar wrote the king speaking of the action taken, and got back in answer the cedula, quoted before, giving the bishop and audientia the right of censorship over such works. The question of chronological precedence between Quinones and Pleasantia is not important, for the specific approval of Pleasantia's texts by the synod, attended by Quinones himself shows that Pleasantia's books were accepted, and in conformity with the ruling of the Synod would have been the only texts allowed to be used generally in the Philippines. Another reference to writers in the native tongues in an anonymous manuscript of 1649 introduces the names of other linguists, the first missionaries left many writings in the Tagalog and Baikal languages, the best of which are those left by fathers Fray Juan de Oliver, Fray Juan de Pleasantia, Fray Miguel de Talavera, 
Fray Diego de la Asuncion, and Fray Geronimo Monti. Mention is here made of the above fathers because they were the first masters of the Tagalog language, and since their writings are so common and so well received by all the orders, they had not been printed, because they are voluminous, and there are no arrangements in this kingdom for printing so much. Miguel de Talavera we have spoken of before, that he helped Pleasantia in the compilation of his earliest works in Tagalog is clear, and to him in part must be attributed the miracle of the production by Pleasantia of the texts in so short a time and with so few years in the country. Martinez says specifically that Talavera was the first interpreter among our priests, and greatly helped Efar. Juan de Pleasantia in the composition of the RDY vocabulario. Juan de Oliver was in somewhat the same relationship to Pleasantia but instead of helping with the initial attempts, he carried on from where Pleasantia left off. Oliver came to the Philippines on the same expedition which brought Bishop Salazar in 1581. According to a word he worked in various Tagalog villages, and mastered the Tagalog and Baikal languages, in which he wrote 22 works, which weird lists. Of these three are of particular interest to us. The first entry says that he corrected the Tagalog grammar written by Ifar, Juan de Pleasantia and added the adverbs and particles, the second that, he perfected and augmented the Spanish Tagalog dictionary, written by the said Ifar, Juan de Pleasantia, and the sixteenth lists a catechism Moda Doctrina Christiana Asplicadu. Several authors, attempting to establish the priority of Quinone's dictionary, question the existence of one by Pleasantia at the Synod of 1582 in the face of his own statement in 1585 that he was then making a dictionary. To us there seems to be no inconsistency. If Pleasantia in 1585 was referring to a revision, unquestionably made with his knowledge and help, by Juan de Oliver, in short, it is reasonable to assume that Pleasantia, burdened with administrative duties from 1583 to 1586, during which time he was custodian of his order, secured the aid of Oliver in reading and continuing his linguistic studies. Pleasantia died in 1590. The other two Franciscans listed by the anonymous historian of 1649 are elsewhere recorded as having written various works in Tagalog. To both Diego de la Asuncion and Geronimo Montes y Escamillo were attributed grammars and dictionaries, and the latter also wrote a devotional Tagalog, said to have been printed at Manila in 1610. In speaking of these early linguistic texts, it is not necessary to believe that each was a completely original work, but rather that they were based upon a recognized model which was at first the Talavera Pleasantia Oliver text, and that the individual missionaries used their experience in the field to produce, as it were, new editions, that this was the case is borne out by the notes of Pablo Rojo to his bibliography of Pleasantia where speaking of the grammar and dictionary he says that, perfected by other missionaries, they had been the base for such grammars and dictionaries of Tagalog as had been written, but in the form in which they came from the hands of their author, they had not come down to us. More important still is Rojo's statement that he found a portion of Pleasantia's doctrine which had been believed lost, and from which he quotes the Pater Noster, since he does not say where the manuscript was or how it was known to be Pleasantia's text. We cannot put too much reliance on the statement, but the text as there printed, while similar to that of the present doctrina, is not identical. The Jesuits before passing on to the Dominicans we shall mention briefly the linguists of the Society of Jesus. In the early days there were not many Jesuits in the Philippines. However, there were some linguists among them, chiefly of the Visayan tongue, in which they are said to have printed a doctrine as early as 1610, limiting ourselves to a note of those who knew Chinese and Tagalog. 
We find that the first mentioned by Chirino as an outstanding master of one of these was Francisco Almerich, who arrived with Santiago de Vera in 1583. Shortly thereafter he began the study of the Chinese language in his zeal to aid in the conversion of the many Chinese who came to Manila and whom we in the Philippines call Sanglis. And Colin says, his principal occupation was with the Tagalog Indians, being the first of the company to learn their language. Nothing further is said of his accomplishments in these languages, but his knowledge would have been available in 1593, for he was then still active in the islands. Chirino himself landed at Manila in 1590 shortly after Das Marinas, and went almost immediately to Tahiti where he learned Tagalog and was joined in 1592 by Martin Henriks. At the time Juan de Oliver was preaching in that district, and it is exceedingly probable that he helped the newcomers with the language, for Chirino speaks of him in terms of highest praise. Henriks learned the language in three months and in six wrote a catechism in it, a confessionary, and a book of sermons for all the gospels of the year in the Sedidium, but he died on February 3, 1593 at Tahiti. How thoroughly Chirino himself had grasped the fundamentals of Tagalog is evident from his three chapters on the language and letters of the natives in which he prints the Ave Maria in Tagalog and reproduces the Tagalog alphabet its first appearance in a European publication. But Chirino, who remained in the provinces until 1595, would have mentioned his participation and that of Henrik's in the doctrine of 1593. So we record them as possible but not probable consultants. The Dominicans had it already written that the first books printed at Manila were to doctrine as issued by the Dominicans at San Gabriel in 1593, and given some details of their production. We could conclude our study with a quotation from him, but nowhere does he mention them. In fact, his inference was that the first book was that printed for Blancas de San Jose, and yet we know that this doctrina preceded anything that Blancas de San Jose could have written, since he did not come to the Philippines until 1595. We can assume, as Ritana did, that by printing Eduardi meant printing from movable type, but this does not explain away the fact that Eduardi, who recorded in detail events of far less significance, did not speak of the doctrinas at all. The best and it is a most unsatisfactory best that we can do is ascribe the omission to the frailty of man, and record that there is no notice of the Dominican doctrine of 1593 in the most complete contemporary Dominican history of the Philippines. The first members of the Order of St. Dominic to a land in the Philippines were Bishop Salazar and his assistant, Christ of Valdezal but they were fully occupied with the administration of the bishopric and could not devote themselves to a regular missionary work. It was not until July 25, 1587 that working Dominican missionaries came, then 15 under the leadership of Juan de Castro arrived, and established the first Dominican province of the Philippines and China, thus consummating the hope expressed as early as 1579. In consultation with the other orders it was decided that the Dominicans should be given the ministry of the territories of Pangasinan and Bataan, which had theretofore been spiritually exploited by few priests. Almost immediately, on September 15, 1587, the Vicariate of Bataan was founded and settled. In speaking of it, Eduardi stressed the importance of a knowledge of the language of the natives, which there would have been Tagalog, to the success of the mission. Domingo de Niva, one of the four members of the mission, learned it rapidly and well, and soon began to preach to the Indians in their own tongue. His aptitude for languages and its fullness to the Dominicans must have been very great. For Eduardi enlisting the priests who originally volunteered in Spain makes few comments about individuals, 
but of Nyavahi remarks that he was afterwards of great importance because of the great ease and skill with which he learned languages, whether Indian or Chinese. Unfortunately Nyavah was only a deacon, and so could not hear confession, a fact which was greatly deplored, because during that first year no other priest mastered the language sufficiently well to do it. But in September 1588 he reached the requisite age and was ordained. About that time the friars in Bataan one had died and another was ailing were joined by Juan de la Cruz, who, being young, succeeded very well with the language, and also succeeded in surviving the climate. Early in 1588 Juan Cogo arrived from Mexico. Shortly thereafter, on June 12, 1588, the Dominican chapter held its first convocation. It elected Juan de Castro the first provincial, adopted the general ordinances already made in Mexico, gave the convent at Manila the title of priory, and designated as parts of the province for vicariates. Of primary importance was the appointment then of Juan Cogo to the mission for the Chinese. From the very earliest days of the Spanish occupation of Manila, the governors had had trouble with the Chinese and Sanglis. These people had long conducted a profitable trade between China and the Philippines and many had settled permanently near Manila, while others stayed there regularly between trading voyages. The Chinese merchants were in full control of the shops of the city, and so monopolized retail trade that the early governors legislated against them to give the Spaniards a chance to establish themselves in business. In 1588 there were as many as 7,000 of them in and around Manila. No one had objected to the Pangasinan and Bataan assignments but when it was suggested that the Dominicans also assume the responsibility for the ministry over the Chinese and Sanglis in the suburbs of Manila, the Augustinians vehemently resented what they considered an invasion of their prior rights. Eduardo omits any account of a disagreement, merely saying that since the Chinese had had no one to minister to them the Dominicans assumed that responsibility, but in a letter from the licentiate Gaspar de Ayala to Philip I.I., dated from Manila, July 15, 1589. Full details of the squabble are given. From this source we learn that the Augustinians had a convent in the village of Tondo in the Chinese district. There they had ministered to the natives in their own language, but had rather neglect, 